25 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hi, this is C.S. Lau. On behalf of the Hong Kong University Medical Faculty, I would like to wish the Radio Television Hong Kong happy 95th anniversary. Well done, Radio Television Hong Kong. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Welcome back to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday morning. And I'm really excited to welcome back on the program, Cruzy McCalligan. Cruz, it's so lovely to speak to you. It's been a while. How are you doing today? I'm well and welcome back. Thank you. It's really good to be back. It's nice to be back in, in, in at home, even though it's a small space, but it's just like, uh, I'm home. Yeah, I know that. It's a good feeling, isn't it? Yes, but it's also, of course, it's so nice to be travelling once again. So on with the today's programme. What have you got for our listeners uh, today? Um, we're going to talk about magicians. Oh, how Was right. this inspired by uh, by one of the kiddies or a party or something? Did I, you... I wish it was. I actually haven't seen a live magician in years, I don't think. But I've just started watching a program, like a TV show, um, a magician TV show, in my nightly breath-pumping session, yes. <laughs> finding something to, to, watch. to watch. Yes, very good. It's, like, very easy to watch. And I've just kind of reignited, like, a, a passion for it, like a, an appreciation of magicians, you know? And it's so interesting because I was really, I, I have watched, I remember years ago in Hong Kong, there was a magician who came to, like, a children's party I was at. And they were okay, you know, but then it's like, I was like, oh, I'm quite critical, really. I couldn't do that. And then I remember when I was a child having, like, a brief fascination with magic my dad had like maybe two or three very simple like sleight of hand tricks with like Ooh. pulling a coin from behind your ear or something that just used to blow my mind yes. nice. as a child yeah, you know I'm really fascinated with magicians as well i try to learn a few tricks and not very successful but it's nice to to be able to accomplish this sort of thing yeah but see this is the thing it, it, it's a very interesting kind of it's a really interesting thing because we do have this weird perception of magicians. Like, if you think of a magician um, today, you probably think of someone who was quite dorky as a kid, you know, quite introverted in their room with, like, maybe a, a toy dove and a top hat and a wand and a stack of cards. You know, there's this real perception of it. But actually, when you look at, like, modern – and, of course, there's a famous, famous um, – famous magicians that we kind of know, like Houdini and David Copperfield, and we know the names. But maybe today, unless you have an interest in magic, you don't really know that much about them anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like my dad told me a little bit about Houdini when I was a child, but then you kind of lose interest and you don't have that appreciation for it anymore or anything like that. But nowadays, we have some really interesting, like not that many, I would say, like famous modern musicians, um, m- not musicians, magicians, <laughs> Modern, like maybe um, yeah. off the top of my my head, like you'd have like Darren Brown, you know, the, oh, the I British. Like Darren Brown, yeah, he's very interesting. David Blaine, who's always given me the heebie-jeebies because he's got that kind of aloofness to his persona, who does all those weird like you know, suspended over the Thames River for 44 days in a box, all those sorts of things, right? Um, and so there's, like, there's a handful of kind of magicians that we have. Chris Angel, do you remember Chris Angel? I feel like he was big in kind of the early 2000s, kind of looked like an emo 
and like this funny, like you know, studded pants and stuff like that. Um, but there's kind I feel of like these there were of... a few from Americans Got Talent, a few Chinese ones. I think Shin Lim was quite kind yes, of Shin uh, Lim. Yeah, yes, was, yes. Um, Eric Chien. They they were pretty cool too. Um, watching them on the talent shows. So yeah, these and are the modern ones. Absolutely, and I think it's interesting because I think there's like, you know, I think there's definitely um, magicians from like. China, especially, where people really like have the diligence and patience to like, which is which is really required by magicians to just repeat and repeat and repeat to learn something like over and over and over again. Like I was reading about it. A lot of magicians spend a year perfecting the tiniest, smallest sleight of hand trick, like over and over and over again, every single day for a year, you know, and it's, it requires a level of patience and devotion that like, I can't even comprehend. You know what I mean? I don't think I could do it because it is, it's just repetition to learning these tricks. Um, and it's interesting the kinds of tricks that we have. So we think it's like, you know, oh, well, today it's just probably, it's just probably all technology and stuff like that. But actually magic is really ancient. So I looked into this and you know, the cup and balls illusion, which, which ball, which cup oh, yeah. is the ball in, right? <laughs> yes. This is at least 2000 years old. Whoa. Yeah, it's one of the oldest confirmed accounts of stage magic. And it's, um, you know, where the object's placed under the cup and appears to switch locations or vanish or reappear. And it was performed by ancient Roman conjurers. Um, so it's actually, it can be quite a fun illusion, but it has a background as a gambling game and a con. So <laughs> since pr- practitioners can, can, you know, swiftly trick someone by moving things around, it became an easy way to swindle money out of people who thought that they could figure out where the ball was going to end up, right? So um, this is really interesting. Um, yeah, and then um, the oldest, the other thing I found out of my research into magicians is how much they're actually really prolific readers. And there's a lot of books written on magic tricks, but like very precious books, very like books with very short printing runs. You know, you're not talking about a book that was made in its hundreds of thousands and distributed publicly, like something that would have three copies. And they can be thousands of thousands of dollars for one of these books from all like historical magic tricks. People kind of talking about how they've created these tricks and stuff. They're very, like, sacred texts. That's amazing, because I thought they would be kind of like a protectionist trade and not wanting to share their magician secret. I think that's what it is. That's why there's so few of them, you know, they're so heavily guarded. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting. Um, So there's a lot of people, you know, um, that kind of think of magicians do have a history kind of intertwined with witchcraft and, you know, that kind of idea. And a lot of magicians started as a way to say, look, like, showed tricks to be like, look, you don't have to, they can't be a witch. There's just ways that you can do tricks. It's not magic. It's not, well, it's not magic quotation marks. It's not supernatural. It's just a trick. So it was kind of defending people. Um, But interestingly, um, a lot of people have this thing with slice of hand, which is, um, you know, you know, kind of pickpocketing and stuff like that as well. Um, but it's really, uh, really fascinating. There was a man called Isaac Forks who was called the sleight of hand man, not very original, um, in the early 1700s. And he was quite satirized for practicing what was considered quite a lowbrow art, you know, that you're not really, oh, this isn't very exciting, you know, um, uh, you know, he didn't really, he didn't really, you know, like this is just, you know, being good with your hands. It's not that intellectual, a kind of trickery. But he made, um, he made hundreds of pounds, which at the time, 
um, in the 1700s was mind-blowing amounts of cash. So he could have, like, a lot of his critics had to kind of eat their words as well, um, which was kind of fascinating. And um, so there's all these different kinds of people we have throughout history. Now, what's interesting today is that actually um, a lot of scientists are starting to recognize the value of the value of, like, what misdirection is, right? So that kind of concept of where our brains fill in gaps of where our brains fill in, fill in gaps to make sense of something. And that's really what a lot of the time, a lot of the time uh, magicians are kind of playing off, right, is our ability to take something for granted. And I think Houdini had a very, very um, famous quote about this. He said, what the eyes see and the ears hear, the mind believes. Right. So this is something that magicians have been relying on for years and years and years. And it's becoming more in um, in kind of vogue again today to have like really incredible magicians who are kind of really relaxed. And, you know, like street magic is becoming like a bit cool again. People who can do something that defies our expectations, because to be honest, how often in life are we really surprised or in awe of anything at the moment? You know, like we're on our phones all the time. It's like you see things all the time. When was the last time that you were like, oh, my God, that was amazing, you know, yeah. you know, um, so it's it's really interesting in that way. So a lot of people have been looking into the science um, and a lot of uh, kind of neuroscientists have have clocked on that there's a place for magic in science. So uh, there was a. Um, these two neuroscientists who basically went on a trip to Las Vegas, which is quite famous for its big magic shows, right? And um, they were kind of looking at this magic show and they were looking for kind of intuitive understandings of how the human brain works, but they kind of clocked on magicians seem to have an advantage over them. So scientists have only studied cognitive illusions, so it's what a lot of magic is, for a few decades, but magicians have studied them for hundreds, if not thousands of years, right? Magicians have been doing these tricks for thousands of years. So they look at the fact that illusions are really revealing, like when you have a magical illusion. Um, because like when the lady's in the box and then the, and then the magician sort of or puts a sword a, through. Totally. Or if a magician makes something hover or levitate. Oh, right. Yes. So when they separate perception from reality, magicians are taking advantage of how our nervous systems, our eyes, our sense of touch, our minds are wired to create seemingly impossible illusions. So these neuroscientists um, who went to Las Vegas were really interested in this idea. Um, and so individual tricks may take advantage of any number of kind of neurological phenomena. So like our neurons energy saving practice of adapting to a stimulus to create the illusion that something which, a, um, you know, which a magician may have moved is still in the same place. And magicians may exploit our visual systems dependence on contrast to make objects appear or disappear out of nowhere. And they may also divert our attention. So they can do multiple of these techniques at a time. I mean, your level of understanding of the way the, the brain fills in gaps must be absolutely incredible. So magicians are masterful manipulators of attention, which they then misdirect as well, right? But even if you know this, even if you go in going, oh, this is misdirection, I'm going to look, you won't. You're, you're, you won't be able to just see your way through a trick initially. You just won't. You know, that's the whole concept of what's amazing about magicians and, and a performance magic is because our brain our brains are still going to do what they're supposed to do we can't override them um, and we don't understand them as well as the magician does who's 
who's doing the trick on us. Yeah. Um, So it's quite fascinating. Like, I mean, a lot of the time, like a lot of the parts of our brain are quite like, I think I remember watching a Darren Brown show once, um, a filming of a show. I've never seen him live. And at one point he was on stage and a man in a gorilla suit walked onto the side of the stage, stood there, wiggled about and walked off. And an entire auditorium of people, including all the people watching, like, the, the, the video of the live performance, nobody saw this man in a gorilla suit. We were so focused on the trick he was doing until he did a replay and said, by the way, you all miss this man in a gorilla suit. And then was like, no way. I couldn't have. Like, they did a replay. They showed this has just, just happened, and nobody noticed it. Like, that's, that's how remarkable it is. So, but I think that for the most part, there's something very, like, playful and lovely about a magician. They don't, like okay, yes, they may have come from like a background and sleight of hand and pickpocketing and all those sorts of things. But also, I feel like there's always kind of a playfulness. And there would be if there's someone, like a lot of magicians start their careers at children's birthday parties. You know, like trying to get that awe from children and just knowing that children are so amazed by everything. I mean, I find that quite a noble pursuit, that that's your your first audience in your career are kids. And they're a tough audience in a lot of ways, you know. To keep them engaged and stuff. But speaking of Darren Brown, I remember a few years ago also watching on, on, on TV, he was um, he was trying to hypnotize some taxi drivers. Well, a lot of taxi drivers. He got in and he would say, could you take me to the London Eye? And it's a very um, iconic uh, lo- location. Mm. So all the drivers would know where it is. But Darren Brown kept chatting to the driver and kept saying, well, you know, as you go round and round London, you're looking for, you know, this. And eventually the, the taxi driver was like, I, I don't know where the London Eye is. I've, I've, yes. I've completely blanked from, from where it is, like location-wise. But actually, they were just driving around it the entire time, and the driver couldn't see it. I, I don't know. How, how, does, how does the mind do that? It's really remarkable. Oh, it's it's so remarkable. And it's funny because I know a few years ago, do you remember there was a, a program? I think it used to be on TV in Hong Kong on like our mainstream TV stations. This is like years before Netflix, where it was like the masked magician and it was someone who wore a mask and then would reveal how all the tricks were done. Obviously, oh, this person yes. is like I universally hated. Yes. Yeah, do you remember it used to I, be on TV here? I think so. Yes, that's right. And I think I always watched it like out of morbid curiosity, but also it always did leave you feeling a bit sad and, yes. you know, guilty. It was, it was, it was like, because the tricks, the reality is that if you pull apart so many of these tricks, tricks that properly blow our minds, you know, they're pretty, they're probably very simple in actually how they're, they're executed. And it's such a funny thing with magicians. I can understand why someone like that would be so universally hated and how people who are so cynical about finding something fun would just be angry if they don't know the solution, right, to a problem. Whereas just accepting the fact that this remarkable thing happened and you had this experience of awe and surprise that you haven't had before, you know. So I think I'm actually I'm, I'm actually flipping. I've, I've decided I'm siding with magicians. I want to be a bit of a purist. I don't want to know how they're done. I don't want to know. I'm going to it. I don't want to know. I want to just recognize it. it. Believe in it and recognize it's the product of someone's hard work and years of diligence and, you know, and and talent. Um, Okay, I have some quotes. Yes, please do. Uh, David Copperfield did say this. He said it is the unspoken ethic of all magicians to not reveal the secrets. Uh, He did say that. Um, and then David Devant, who's another magician, said, nothing must be left to chance in a magical performance. Everything conducive to enhancing the mystery of the illusions must be arranged with painstaking care and thought. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
Marco Tempest said, magicians will always tell you that the trick is the most important part. But um, I'm more interested in telling a story, which is also interesting as well, right? Harry Houdini said, the easiest way to attract a crowd is to let it be known that at a given time and a given place, someone is going to attempt something that the, in the event of failure will mean sudden death. And of course, he was a master escapologist, right? Yes. So, you know, that's interesting as well. Um, Carl Germain said, magic is the only honest profession. A magician promises to deceive you, and he does. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was very good, too. Um, Darren Brown says, a lot of unconfident kids do tricks because it's the quickest route to impressing people, he explains. You can stand behind something amazing, and people think you're amazing. Oh. Right, which is also quite interesting. Um, the uh, Howard Thurston, another magician, said the average man is not hard to mystify, <laughs> which is also probably very true. Um, um, and then Andrew Law said, Lord said to suspend for a moment your disbelief and encounter once again the sense of wonder you knew when there was magic. And I think that's that feeling that I really want to leave everyone with thinking with today and a new appreciation for magicians is just that feeling of magic and how... Very rarely we get that in our lives, um, you know, and that it, it's quite remarkable that there is this profession of people who spent years in their um, in their bedrooms and top hats with pet doves or whatever, um, trying to create that sense of magic. So, yes, that's me, my column on magician. Excellent. <laughs> Cruz, I really enjoyed it. It's very magical. I, I, I think, wouldn't it be nice if we had like magicians performing in Hong Kong occasionally? We, I mean, we've got stand-up comedians, uh, very few magicians I've seen in Hong Kong. I mean, we, we see it on the streets or something, but like actually in the auditorium, I don't think I've Yeah, had... it'd be yeah. nice. It'd be yeah. nice. It'd be very nice. We should go together. Well, Cruz, thank you so much for your time today. And I look forward to another audio column with you next week. Thank you so much. Thanks.